Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. And these words were spoken over 2,000 years ago and remain true today, for she is still the most well-known woman in the Bible and in all of world history as well. The story of the Bible is largely people having an, an encounter with God in order that the following generations might come to know who he is and what he wants and how we ourselves might have a relationship with God. Every person in the Bible is written into the story to teach us something about God and ourselves. And Mary's life has lessons for you and I to learn. In lesson number one, we see the submissiveness of godliness. In Luke 138, we read these words. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. From her introduction in chapter one, we see submissiveness in this godly young lady. She is greeted by the angel Gabriel, the angel who God used to send messages to his people throughout the Bible. Angels had a fear-inspiring look and presence to them. Oftentimes we see them coming to the um, coming to mankind with a message. I think of Joshua when he was greeted by an angel. What did he do? He fell down on his face and trembled. This is an awesome thing to, be, uh, in, to encounter an angel. But we don't see fear in Mary's response. What we see is a heart that is submitted to God and ready to do his will. She is told that she will bear a child that is unlike any other that has ever come into the world. She would conceive like no other woman had ever conceived or will conceive. She would remain a virgin throughout the pregnancy. Her child would come from the Holy Spirit, and she was to name him Jesus, which means God saves. Did she argue with Gabriel? Do we hear her refusing the angel? <laughs> no, it's the exact opposite. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She was ready to do whatever God had called her to do. In essence, Mary was saying, Lord, I don't understand how this is going to happen, but I'm your servant. And if this is your will, God, then let it take place in me just as the angel has spoken. This reminds me of our story from last week involving Joseph. When God tells us to do something, we don't need to know all the details of how it will happen before we obey. No doubt Mary had to wonder, why had God given her this awesome task? Of all the young ladies in the world that he had to choose from, why did he choose her? Well, the Lord's reasons are known only to him, of course, but we can learn from this story that Mary was not a random decision by God. In fact, we see God's heart through Mary's response and why, a little bit, why he chose her. She was anything but ordinary. She was obedient and courageous, 
Two very important traits, by the way, for anyone desiring to do great things with their life. She would be known as a woman of the word. She would be a woman of faith. She would remain a virgin in order to reveal God's awesome glory and power. And she would be a humble peasant girl in order to reveal the humble servant that had come into the world, God made into flesh to save us from our sin. Mary possessed all these highly valued traits. She would provide the perfect home environment for him, a balance of love and care from which the Savior would launch into his ministry at age 30, forever altering the destiny of human history. In her early years, she would carry the Savior on her hip. Later on, she would lead him by the hand as he followed her. Eventually, Mary would come to follow Jesus as she submitted her own life to follow him. Eventually, this humble mother would follow Jesus to a hill called Golgotha, where her own son, turned Savior, would lay his own life down for the world, a world which included Mary. But her footsteps would not end at the cross. This faithful mom, her feet would one day take the trip from the tomb, from the cross to the tomb, and discover a risen Savior. Mary teaches us submissiveness to godliness. For each one of us who have placed our faith and lives into the hands of the Savior, there comes a time when we're called to submit ourselves to God and His will rather than following our own plans for our life. The question is this, will we choose to follow Him? When God asks us to do something that is difficult, even painful, Will our answer be, yes, Lord, I will? Luke 1, 28 through 29, the angel continues. The angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was surprised and considered what manner of greeting was this. Mary was surprised and even troubled by what Gabriel had to tell her. I guarantee you, when she woke up that morning, this was the last statement that she thought she'd ever hear. It wasn't even on her calendar or in her mind. Walking with God is the greatest adventure anyone can ever know in their lives. Our Heavenly Father surprises us regularly, and the Christian walk brings both challenges and nuances as we follow the Lord daily. Would you agree with that? Some days just go, I think most days go just as you probably think for the most part they're going to go. But sometimes you wake up and you walk outside and or you get a phone call from somebody or you get some news that you don't want to hear, that you wish you hadn't received. And it's a surprise. Walking with God is a surprise. God walks with you. Emmanuel, God with us. You can never go through anything by yourself. You can't. Not if you're a follower of Christ. In Matthew 6, 31, 34, Jesus cautions us to take it one day at a time. So many times we get knotted up 
about worrying about things that are so far out in the future that why are we worrying about next year? Why are we worrying about next summer? Why are we worried about when I turn, you know, 75? Why are we worried about those things? Jesus says, hey, I'm walking with you. I got your hand. I'm with you. So how about if we just look at today? Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said this, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God God knows what we need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we're knotted up about, all these things that we're worried about shall be added to you. God's got them. He'll take care of them. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is how Mary lived her life one day at a time. She took it one day at a time. She was ready for God's surprise that morning. She would not worry about what would happen at the end of Jesus' life. She came to understand what that ending would be. She wasn't concerned about that. She took it one day at a time. She wasn't worried about things in the distant future. She wasn't anxious about details she couldn't control. She didn't have time to prepare herself in advance for what the angel was about to say. She just trusted God and was ready to follow him. Be it unto your maidservant, just as you've said. I'm going with it, whatever you want. In Luke 2, 10 through 12, God revealed promises about this newborn Christ child to the shepherds through the angels. Do you remember that conversation out in the hills? Let's read about it. Luke 2, beginning in verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Skip down to verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, Jesus, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary would do that over and over and over. She would hear prophecy spoken. She would remember scripture that was told to them hundreds and hundreds, centuries and centuries beforehand. She would ponder all of this. Have you ever been surprised by something God allowed in your life? Something that um, you just can't explain? These circumstances can cause us to stop and ponder, what is God up to in my life? 
We realize we're not provided all the answers that we'd like. But if we surrender the surprises to God and commit ourselves to God, we'll discover that he is right beside us, preparing the road just ahead of us. So lessons from the life of Mary. Number one, we see the submissiveness of godliness. Number two, we see the surprise of godliness. And lastly, number three, we see the sorrow of godliness. Mary's life also teaches us about the sorrow of godliness. We hear the birth announcement of the Savior and we learn about the suffering that follows in order for you and for me to be forgiven and restored children of God. Listen, there's no reason for the cradle if it doesn't include the cross and the resurrected Savior. The three are interconnected and must be. Now, don't be disheartened that I'm bringing up the crucifixion at Christmas because all three have to be connected. I understand it's human nature to just want to celebrate the birth of Christ, and we will do that. But it's much bigger than that, and it's much, uh, much more important than we could imagine when we put all three together. You see, Jesus was born to die. This was and is his purpose. Why did Jesus come into the world? Why did he take on a human body, becoming flesh, so that he could sacrifice himself for you and for me? During his crucifixion, Jesus made seven statements from the cross. The first statement from the cross is found in Luke 23, 34, when he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is Jesus' prayer to forgive those who are crucifying him. The second statement is in Luke 23, 43. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a word of forgiveness to the repentant thief on the cross. He tells him this. The fourth statement is, the, is from Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A word of resignation spoken from the son to his father. The fifth statement is found in John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Prophecy fulfilled. The sixth statement is from John 19.30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And lastly, here's the seventh statement from Luke 23.46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, if you're paying attention and you're following along, I left something out, didn't I? Well, what was that? Oh, wait, it's number three. Here it is. 
I left it out on purpose because it doesn't seem to fit the narrative. What Jesus is doing is he's filling, uh, fulfilling prophecy. He's saving the, the man next to him. And number three just doesn't seem to fit the storyline. Let me read it to you. The, st- the third statement from the cross from John 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, or here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother, or quite literally translated from the Greek, here is your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You may wonder why that's so surprising. In the last moments of his life on earth, he turned his thoughts away from the events of the cross to concern for his mom. Around the cross that day, there were onlookers and bystanders. The critics of our Lord were there, those who had mocked him with their words. Come off that cross if you are, in fact, the Messiah. If you are God, go ahead and just jump down. That would be funny. They mocked him. And a few of Jesus' friends were also there, very few. Jesus turned to John in one of the last moments on the cross and concerned himself with the well-being of Mary. And the scripture says that when they left the place of of crucifixion, John took Mary into his own home as if she were his mother. It is to be one of the most tender moments in all of the New Testament. Jesus was saying, John, that's my mom. Take care of her. As we think back through the life of Jesus and his mother, we identify with what they experienced a little bit, I think. In fact, in the Christmas story, there is a little prophecy that makes us look into the crucifixion a little further and with better understanding. Do you remember when Jesus was taken to the temple by his parents? He, uh, uh, they had a uh, tradition, a law that you had when the baby was born, that on the eighth day, the child was brought to the temple and presented to the priests for a blessing. So this is that story. Jesus is eight days old, and he's presented to Anna, who's at the the temple, and to Simeon. Anna is a prophetess. Simeon is a priest and prophet. This is found in Luke 2, 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them, this this new family, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, speaking to Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's prophesying what would happen involving Jesus 30 years later. These words recorded by Luke were spoken by Simeon when Jesus, as an infant, was presented to Simeon and Anna in the temple. 
The temple says, or the Bible says that Simeon took Jesus in his arms and blessed God for him. And then Simeon turned to Mary and prophesied the words that we just read. And he told Mary that her child would be the cause of much sorrow and pain in her own life. This prophecy was given, as I said, 30 years, 33 years before the crucifixion took place. But it was fulfilled as Mary watched her son being beaten, being nailed to the cross. And when the spear entered his side, Mary knew more pain in her life than most of us will ever know. She knew about the godliness of suffering. The day Jesus was crucified, Mary experienced the fulfillment of Simeon's words. And a sword pierced through her side as well. I can't imagine the thoughts that went through this mom's mind. James Stalker, a writer of New Testament truth, has written some wonderful books on the life of the Lord Jesus. Describing this moment in Mary's life, he wrote, and I quote, There Jesus hung before her eyes, but she was helpless. His wounds bled, but she dare not touch them. His mouth was parched, but she could not moisten his lips. The nails pierced her as well as him. The thorns around his brow were a circle of flame around her heart. End of quote. The baby of Bethlehem, the child of Nazareth, the talented carpenter, the teacher with no equal, the man of miracles, Mary's own son, was now suffering before her own eyes. Jesus grew up just like our children grew up. Those memories of his early days no doubt replayed through her mind as she stood watching this awful and apparent ending to his life. That was all a part of Mary now and her memory. She remembered those moments, the hands and feet that she had kissed and held when he was just an infant in her arms were now nailed to a cross. But all one disciple would leave him, all but one would run away in fear. All his friends would forsake him. The nations would reject him as Savior, but his mother was there to the very end. She would see to his body she would make sure it was taken off the cross and buried as the Jews were accustomed to, had to be buried by sundown. She would gather spices with the other ladies and go to the tomb and take care of his body. She loved him to the end. In these two pictures of Mary, his birth and his death, we're reminded that God wants us to learn from the people of the Bible and from Mary, we learn submissiveness to godly, is godliness, the surprise of godliness, and the sorrow of godliness. Grief is a part of our life. We either embrace it or, and learn from it, or we spend the entire existence here on earth fighting against something we can never control. Our Lord suffered. Mary suffered. And we will all experience suffering at some time in our life. 
It's a part of living. It's a part of the fall. It's a part of sin entering into this world that God created. Mary was the mother of Jesus, but she needed Jesus to be her Savior as much as you and I do. The Magnificat of Mary reveals this truth. In part, she wrote this sentence in her song, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior as well. The Savior who was born in the womb of Mary had to be born again in her heart. And the Savior whose birth we celebrate during this season is a Savior who must be born in all of our hearts. You make the decision to receive Him or not. And the question I have for you today is this. Have you invited Him to come into your heart and to take up residency in you? That's the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. If you've made that decision already, one day in heaven, you'll look back on earth and realize that was the single greatest decision. The day I surrendered my life to Jesus. Let's pray. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.